0: If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you need to click to, turn to. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 is what we're going to look at today. And, and we're just going gonna to walk through this scripture together. And uh, the, the title of this message is Living in Harmony. We've been in this series uh, looking at great expectations. So we've been walking through the book of First Peter. Uh, Simon Peter is writing in to a local church there. About they're going through persecution, they're go- the church is forming, and, and so he's giving them advice and he's telling them how, how they should live. And, and I, I think today's message is like a really critical message, uh, especially in the, in the times and the culture in which we live. And so, so here's what the scripture says. Let me, let me read these and then we're going to walk through these together and we'll take communion together in, in just a little bit. But here, here's what the scripture says. Finally. That, that's so interesting to me, Simon Peter being a preacher. Uh, I mean, he says finally, and so you think it, he, you think he's going to land the plane pretty quickly, and, and 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 like he he's only halfway through his message, and so that's just a word to you that like when a preacher says in closing, that means absolutely nothing, or when they say finally, that's just that's for them to satisfy, you know, to kind of get some guilt away, and so but that doesn't mean the message just about over. So Simon Peter's the same way. So now you know it's biblical. So he says finally, all of you. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. To this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. There's very few times, especially in the New Testament, there's only a couple of times But there's very few times in the entire scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, to where all of a sudden you can see something that says, so that you may obtain a blessing. In other words, he's helping us understand how to live a blessed life relationally, how to live a blessed life in a church, what brings blessing on a church, what brings blessing on a relationship. And so this is huge stuff he's sharing this morning. So verse 10, he says, for for whoever, and he continues to talk about that. And Simon Peter is pressing into this church and he's trying to th- help them understand the target, the target of the church and the target of the Christian life. I mean, he's, he's helping them understand some principles that are just very important to the forming of the church, but they're not only very, very important to them, they're very important to us. So the story is told about this, this guy and this guy had a friend and he, he owned a ranch and it was a very large ranch in Colorado. In the 5 o'clock service, I said Texas, and they're like, theirs is grown, and so I just cut the Texas stuff out, right? That's so you'll listen to me. And so he had this he had this very large ranch in Colorado. And he had never gotten to visit his buddy his new ranch. And so so he gets directions. He pulls up to the ranch. He goes in through the front gate. It's a really large ranch. And so he's driving up this dirt road trying to get to the the house where his buddy lives. And he crossed and went past like three big structures. And and they were barns. And so as he's passing by these, these big barns, he starts noticing something to the first barn. He notices something to the second barn. He gets to the third barn and he notices it as well also. And so it was something that was just like common. And so so what, what he noticed was this. He noticed that on the side of the barn, on the side of each barn, there was a bullseye and then dead center in the bullseye is like, there's this arrow. And so he didn't know his buddy was a marksman. He didn't know he was into archery. And so he found that fascinating. So, so he gets up to the farmhouse. His buddy comes out on the front porch, and they begin, you know, they greet each other. They talk back and forth. And, and it, was long, it wasn't long until he looked at his buddy and says, hey, I, I noticed something. I didn't know you were into archery but I noticed every barn had like this bullseye and then an arrow is like dead center in, in the bullseye. So how many yards back were you? When, you pick, when did you pick up archery? How did you do that? And he goes, oh, you don't understand. He said, I shot the arrow into the barn first and then I drew the bullseye around it. That's how that whole thing worked. That's how that whole thing went down. I just thought it was interesting. And a lot of times, we're, if we're not careful, we're like that. When we're not living up like the Christian life, that if we're not careful, guess what? We'll, we'll move the target. We'll make the target our target. We'll make the target our target with Scripture, right? Whether it's in the local church, whether it's in relationships, if we begin struggling, we'll reduce Scripture down to where all of a sudden the target of Scripture becomes like, like our target. Instead of letting Scripture set the target for us, for us to understand that. And Simon Peter says this. Simon Peter says, when we when we lower the bar of scripture, when we try to make our target the target of scripture instead of the other way around, there's no blessing in that. There's no blessing in that in the local church. There's no blessing in that in the relationships around you, whether it's marriage or whether it's relationships or whether it's a local church. And so Simon Peter begins pressing into this congregation. I mean, it's like horrible times when this church is forming. I mean, politically, I mean, the whole political process is totally against the church. They couldn't own a building in their time. They, they were being persecuted. They were being martyred. And, and Simon Peter presses into them and says, this is the difference. This is how people will know that you're believers. This is how people will know that you're a Christian church. This is how people will know that you're reflecting Christ. And so as I was preparing this message, I, I, just, I had some questions. And, and, and maybe you've had some questions as well. But I, I had some questions about just about our church. And I'm like, well, what about Fellowship of the Rockies? I mean, when when people visit Fellowship of the Rockies and they step into the lobby for like the first time, what should stand out to them? I mean, what should they see? What types of conversations should they hear like like between us? I mean, how, how how do we reflect Christ in the community, the culture in which God has placed us? Because see, here's what Simon Peter is saying. That's the target. That's the goal is understanding in your life, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in the local church, how do we reflect Christ so that people will know that we're his. Just because you call yourself a Christian church doesn't make you a Christian church. Just because an individual say they're a Christian does not make them a Christian. And so what Simon Peter is saying is there's some proof there's some things that happen to prove that we're believers. That's why, that's why Jesus talked about this issue over and over. And when you look at the New Testament, you realize that, that there's, this, 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 there, there, there's this mark. And so let me do this. Now that we understand kind of the context, let me read these passages just one more time. And then let's just press in and see what God has for us. more. This is what he says. He says, finally, all of you. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, a humble mind. Do not, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, on the contrary to the world, on the contrary to culture, On the contrary of flesh, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And when you just read this, this passage, just, a, just as a cursory read, you realize that the central theme of this passage is this issue of love, this issue of brotherly love. To where you come to the place, you understand that we're, we're in a family, and we're in this together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. When you have been born again, when you become a Christian, you're born again into a new family. You're born again into a family where you have brothers and sisters in Christ, and there's like this, there's like this brotherly love. See, it's, it's an issue of community. It's an issue of family. And see, sometimes that's so hard for us because we're Westerners. We're Americans, right? We like, we like isolation. We like independence. You're like, I can fend for myself. I don't, I don't need anyone else. Yet the Scripture says something a little bit different to that. It's, a, it's, it's this issue of community. See, that's why Jesus, when he gave us a, a model of prayer, the Lord's Prayer... He didn't teach us to pray like, my father, give me my daily bread. You know what he taught us to pray? Our father. Our father. It's community. Our father. Give us community. Give us our daily bread. See, that's why Jesus prayed. One of the last prayers that Jesus prayed, he simply prayed this, Lord, make them one. Give them this issue of unity. Unity. So I want to talk to you about this issue of unity. I want to talk to you about this issue of brotherly love. Whether it's in the local church or it's in the relationships, the the principles are the same here this morning. And I am praying that God speaks to you exactly where you are, maybe in a deeper way and maybe in a fresh and a new way this morning. So six attitudes. I know, I know that's a lot of points. That's more points than I normally do. We'll, we'll rush through some of them, but we'll, we'll see what God has for us this morning. So the first attitude of living in harmony is simply this. It's simply sympathy. It's, it's coming to the place to where you live in harmony. See, living in harmony is the bullseye. Limit, living in harmony is the bullseye of the, t- of, the, of the Christian life. It's the target of the Christian life. And the first thing he brings up, he says, well, if you want to live in harmony, sympathy. Watch this. In verse 8, it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind. Sympathy. There's that word. I just lifted that word right out of Scripture. Before that, he says, have unity of mind. You know what that simply means to me or us, which is easier maybe for us to understand? This issue of Harmony. Harmony simply means this: being of the same mind. And we listen. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different cult- comes from different cultures, different personalities, different likes, different l- dislikes. All of those things. But we make up a family. And when we make up a family, this issue of harmony doesn't mean we give up our personalities. Doesn't mean we give up our backgrounds and the cultures that we came out of. It simply means that we adjust ourselves to other people for the unity of the family, for the unity of the body, for the unity of the church. The most powerful thing of Scripture, and we could go this, this, from a, from a theological standpoint, all through Scripture, God used things that were unlike, things that were different, put them together to complement one another. It was a powerful word to the community. Fact is, it was a powerful word in their day when, when everything is in chaos and this church could, could, could join together, and there were people from different backgrounds, from different cultures. They had different personalities. And yet they stood in a worship service, and they lifted holy hands together. And there was worship together and they worshiped together, where people came into that congregation, and they marveled at how they loved one another, how they didn't let all these other things divide them. And then he goes on, and he uses this word, and he says, so, so let this issue of sympathy be a part of you. And sympathy simply means this, to feel with, or it means this, it means to have fellow feelings with other people. In other words, to sympathize with someone, it is truly just to understand someone. It's to is to affirm someone else's feelings. Is to validate somebody else's feelings. Listen, you don't have to validate their ideas or you don't have to validate their beliefs. But there is something powerful about this, about this issue of sympathy to where someone just understands your feelings. The most dehumanizing thing you and I can do to somebody else is tell them their feelings are wrong. Tell them they do not have a right to feel that way. They do not have a right to think that way. See, that's one of the most dehumanizing things you can do in relationships in the local church. You don't have to agree with their feelings, but you do have to come to the place to say, you know what? Help me me to understand. See, this issue of sympathy, it does a couple of things in our life, what, what what people tell us and what scripture tells us. All of us, listen, all of us have a need to be understood. God created us that way. Isn't that right? Don't we really have a need, whether you're male or female or whatever? Don't you have a need just for someone, just someone to understand you? And then all of us, all of us have a need for someone to help us understand that, you know what? Our feelings are okay. You ever had someone try to dismiss your feelings? You ever had someone that try to argue about your feelings? Listen, if you've ever gone through a time of suffering, if you've ever gone through a time of hurt or loss or, or a difficult season in your life, that your feelings, right? Your feelings can be all over the map. I mean, you can, you can think all kinds of things. And there's something powerful because a lot of times when you go through that, thing, that, 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 that process in your life, you're wondering because of your feelings, am I okay? Am I totally losing it here? But it's a powerful thing when you meet someone that has suffered the way you've suffered, hurt the way you've been hurt, go through some of the things that you've gone through, and they look across the table at you and say, you know what, I've, I've had those same feelings. I've struggled with some of those same things. To where we come to the places and where we come to the place. To where we try to understand where people are coming from. We understand their background. We understand their temperament. We understand the circumstances which they come out of, the most powerful thing that we can do. I'm telling you, when you come across someone that's going through suffering or someone that's hurt, someone that's been marginalized or struggling with a sin issue or, or some issue in their life, before you try to fix them, understand them. I've sat with people that have struggled through some deep, sin issues some deep suffering some issues in their life and when you look across the table and they'll talk about this the most powerful thing someone can do for me is when before they try to fix me they say hey tell me your story in other words they try to get to know me first and tell me your story why do you why do you feel that way what's going on in your life what has brought you to this point what is your hurt what is your pain There's something powerful about that. So the local church, what Simon Peter is saying, it starts with this issue not only of of harmony, but it starts with this issue of sympathy. Guess what? People are not our projects. We don't really change them. You know who changes them? God changes them. And we enter into this space when we learn to have sympathy for people. Second thing is this is just commitment to where all of a sudden we realize that, guess what? We're in this together. We're on the same team. We're, we're in a family, and we, we have this commitment. Here's what the Scripture says, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. That's where the word commitment comes out of. It's this, it's this family kind of love. It's this brotherly kind of love, a tender heart and a humble mind. This brotherly kind of love. is just this, this issue of commitment that, guess what? We're, we're on the same team. Guess what? We're in this commitment. We're on the same team. We're in this together. Uh, we we work to complement one another. I mean, this is, listen, this is so important, and not only in church, but in marriage and relationships. To where when you when you go through, and you will, and you know that, right? We'll all go through conflict because uh, we have different personalities, we come from different backgrounds, we have different likes and different dis, uh, dislikes, we have all of those things, and so conflict is like normal. In relationships, because none of us are perfect. And so when we go through conflict in relationships, whether I get irritated for me, like whether I get irritated with my wife or my kids, or when I get angry at someone or upset at someone or hurt at someone, that it's, it's so easy to start focusing, so easy to start focusing on the problem and not the value of the relationship. You know what happens in conflict? This is why this is so important in churches. This is why it's so important in marriage. You know what happens in conflict? And we forget the value of the relationship. We start seeing the other person, not as a, not as a brother or a sister in Christ, not as a family member. You know what we start seeing? We start seeing them as the enemy. And we start seeing them as an the enemy, we forget the value of the relationship. See, see, commitment simply says this. Commitment says we're in this together. Commitment says, you know what, let's, quick, well, let's quit attacking each other. Let's attack the problem together. Instead of trying to fix blame, how about this? How about we fix the problem? How about we just come to the place and understand the value of the relationship the value of being in community together and together we walk together cuz guess what we're we're on the same team i'm not going to walk away we're going to hang in there together romans 12:10 simply says this it says love one another with brotherly affection there's that word commitment again outdo one another in showing honor it doesn't listen it doesn't mean we agree on everything We're different people. We don't, listen, we do not, to be in community together, we don't have to agree on everything. We have to agree on like the essentials of the faith. But a lot of times, you know what happens in churches and you know what happens in relationships? We forget the essentials and we, you know what we argue over? We argue over the secondary issues. We argue over the non-essentials. That's why Paul says, hey, do not argue over the disputable matters of Scripture because why? That will divide you. And so this issue of commitment is a huge thing for us to understand. The third thing, what, what, what Simon Peter was saying about this issue of harmony, was this compassion. He's just pressing into them and saying, not only should you have sympathy, not only should you have commitment, but you also have to have this issue of compassion. You have to have compassion for one another. Verse 8 again, he says, Finally, all of you have unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, Here's the word. This is where compassion comes out of a tender heart and a humble mind. Heart, tender heart simply means this. Feel what people are, are going through. When you and I mature in our faith is when, is when people are no longer projects to be changed, to be molded into our image, to where people become someone that we, we care about. It, we care about what they're going through. We care about their story. We care about how they, how they got to this place in life. And that's, that's why it's just so important. That's why Scripture says, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes, sometimes, it's easier to weep with those who weep rather than rejoice with those who rejoice. You ever notice that? You see someone that, you, that has hurt you, someone that you don't really like, and all of a sudden it seems like they get a blessing that you really want. They have the perfect relationship. They get the great vacation. They, kids are turning out amazing. They get that promotion. Isn't it sometimes hard? Isn't it sometimes harder? To rejoice with those who rejoice then weep with those who weep. There's something about this issue of rejo- learning to rejoice with those who rejoice that will reveal something in your heart. Where it's envy, where it's unforgiveness, where it's jealousy, but this issue of compassion is coming to the place to where we have this, we have this tender heart. Church for us is not I'm in and I I'm not I'm in I'm out and the rest of you fend for yourself. It's to where we have this we have this community, we have these relationships. We pray for one another, we encourage one another, we support one another, and compassion is really listen. Compassion is really defined as this: it's just simply love and action. If, if sympathy is understanding someone's, someone's feelings, then compassion takes it one step further, and it demonstrates those actions. I mean, it, 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 sometimes it's by the things that we say. Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, he simply said this. He, says, he said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I mean, does that, does that characterize your speech? Does that characterize your talk, whether it's in church, What's in the home, What's it's in friends? Are your words for the building up of another or the tearing down? See, here, here's the horrible thing. The, the closer we are to one another, uh, we, we know the pressure points, right? We, we know the words that we can say that will just level the field, that will just, just, just really emotionally hurt the other person. Maturity in life is when we come to the place to where all of a sudden we can, we can control our tongue, we can control the same things that we say, and we come to the place to where our words are the, for, for the building up of another. Here, here's the first, fourth word. The fourth word is simply this, is, is humility. It's this is words, humility. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and then here's the word, and a humble mind. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says this. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the famous love pas- passage simply says this. Love, love, love is not proud. In other words, the scripture tells us over and over that, guess what? Pride always comes before the fall. The scripture says that, that there's only one group of people that God has set us back to, and that is the prideful person. Because a prideful person doesn't think they need God and doesn't think they need anybody else. And so Simon Peter presses in and says, this issue of humility is something that is important. And so humility is just a couple of things, if we understand it correctly. It's just being, it's being honest with my weaknesses, it's being honest with my strengths. It's being honest with my weaknesses. It's being honest with my limitations. Listen, every one of us has limitations. That's why we need the church. That's why we need relationships. That's why we need people with different backgrounds in us, that different personalities in us. That's why we need one another. So, So if you're going to walk humbly... There's, there's three phrases, and I'm telling you, that you need to use in language. And these three phrases are, are, are sometimes not easy to use, right? And so let me, let me give them to you really quickly. When you walk in, in humility, then you're able to say, I need your help. That's hard for us, right? Right? That's hard for us, especially when we're independent, especially when we think, when, when we think you know what, um, I, I can do it all or I'm supposed to do it all. And the, and the Scripture says that we need to come to the place and understand that, you know what, I, I, I need your help. I mean, the Scripture says this just real quickly. It says that we bear one another's burdens as if they were our own. How can your spouse bear your burden if you've never told them? How can someone in church, right, in a community, whether it's a life group, whether it's a church, how can they bear your burden if you've never come to the place to say, you know what, I need your help. I need your help. Tuesday, uh, Karen and I are going to celebrate like 36 years of marriage, and, uh, and she's the hero in this story, and so... <laughs> I promise you. I don't know how many years we were married before I finally came to this point. It was just hard for me, how I was raised and some of my background and some other things. When I finally turned to her and says, I need your help. I need your help in this area. It's a crazy thing. It's just maybe it's how men think. I don't know. I honestly thought it would cause her to love me less because she'd see me as inadequate or not a good leader. You know what I found? It's just weird to me. It caused her to love me more. When I became vulnerable and opened up some things and says, Hey, I just, I just, I just need your help. I just need your help. Another phrase that, that we use is not, only, is not only I I need your help, but I was wrong. These words, right, I was wrong, that phrase, that can stick in your throat like dry breath. Uh, Right? Sometimes it can just be hard to get out. I mean, or, or it can be like eating something that you don't like. You've ever eaten something you don't like, and it seems to, like, swell in your mouth to where it's hard to swallow? That happened to me in Lima, Peru. We go into this restaurant, and we're doing missions over there. And so as we walk into this restaurant, and I use the term loosely restaurant with this place. And so we walk in, and walking into the restroom on, uh, restaurant on the, outside, <laughs> on the outside was a bucket of, 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 of guinea pigs. Live, I mean, there's kind of crawling around. So oh, that's interesting. Go in and realize the special on the, menu, on the menu was guinea pig. I go, well, at least we know it's fresh. And so, <laughs> but you know what? When you get guinea pig on a stick, it is good as, you know what? I took a first bite and it, it was, honestly, it was hard to get down. It like, it, it like expanded. So these words, I was wrong, can do that in life. Uh, Proverbs 13:10. Sorry, I know it's before lunch. I guess you won't eat now. <laughs> Proverbs 13 says, pride leads to conflict. But those who take advice, then they're wise. Here's another one. Not only I was wrong, but my bad. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I mean, it's genuine, just genuinely asking, my bad, I was wrong. I need your help. Would you just forgive me? And I, n- I never want to do this again. That leads us to the fifth quality of this issue of, 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 of living out of harmony is this, this issue of forgiveness. I mean, Simon Peter writes in verse 9, he says, Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were, were called, that you may obtain a blessing Just real quickly, and I mean, he's talking about this theology, and he's talking about this thing of of mercy. Mercy is just simply this. It's giving more kindness than justice demands. And when when you and I, listen, when you and I are hurt deeply, it creates a lot of emotional energy inside of us, right? We, We can get pretty stirred up. And so I can either use that emotional energy for retaliation, evil for evil, reviling for reviling, I can stick it to them real good and try to make them pay, or I can use this energy for, for resolution. And this this verse talks about this issue of not paying of, of paying back, a, a not paying back a curse with a curse, but a curse with a blessing. And so the way that the way that we pay back a curse with a blessing, a lot of times is. We watch the words that we say. Here, here, here's here's what I've learned, and here's what I'm still learning. Is it when I, when, I, when I go through those periods in life and someone hurts me, uh, someone betrays me, someone hurts me, and I walk through that painful period, and, and you know what? I've, I've just learned with the Lord to be vulnerable and to be honest with him as well. He already knows, right? And say, so God, right now, you know what? The last thing I want to do is give mercy. The last thing I want to do is, is pay back curse with a, with a blessing. I mean, honestly, Lord, what I'd really like to do, I'd like to smack them upside the head. I'd like to throw something. I'd like to storm out of the room. I would like to, I'd like to use some, uh, some inflammatory words. But, God, I, I need to remember your ways are not my ways, and I don't understand it. In fact, is, here, here's what he said. Uh, this is what Paul wrote in Colossians 3.13. He says, bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, almost, you, you also must forgive. And there are times, I'm just telling you, you know this, there are times when mercy seems impossible. The closer we are in relationships, we know the words that we can use that can wound somebody deeply and settle the score. So many times I remember in these situations, or the Lord reminds me, the Lord says, Charlie, I will never ask you to forgive someone more than I have already forgiven you. I'll never ask you to do that. Scripture says love keeps no records of wrong. And there are some of you, it's not like you have records of wrong. It's like you have a, it's like you have a closet. It's like you have a metal storeroom of every wrong someone has committed against you, and you've cataloged it, you've categorized it, you've named it, and you've you've sectioned it off to where you can pull it up at a moment's notice and remind someone where they've hurt you and wronged you. Simon Peter says you will never have a blessing on a relationship like that. The fifth and the last thing or the sixth is the last thing is just a simple thing of maturity. Verse 10, this, the scripture says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. What Simon Peter is helping us understand, that, that maturity are these five things. Maturity are these five things. is coming to this place where we have brotherly love, we have commitment and relationships. We're tender-hearted, we have compassion. We remember and we remind ourselves, guess what, we're on the same team. And you are not the enemy. We're not going to attack one another. We're going to attack the problem together. This issue of maturity is coming to the place. Listen, I'm just telling you, maturity in Scripture is not how long you've been a Christian. It has nothing to do with the length of time you've been a Christian. It has nothing to do really with how much Scripture you know. What he says is this issue of maturity is when we come to the place that we can manage our mouth. We can manage the words that we say. We manage our tongue and how we talk with each other. Proverbs 12:18 says, "There is one who, whose rash words are like a sword that just thrust. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You want to bring healing in your relationships. healing in a church. It's the words that we use and i think that's why and so it's so important that we honor communion together after looking at this text as our as our servers begin making their way down to the front they're